Yeah, I think as long as you get good work in practice and, and have a lot of good on good and a lot of competitive periods, um, even getting to practice with Tennessee that one day was really good for us. Uh, the, the guys, they're professionals. They're going to do what it takes to be ready. And uh, like I said last year, I think our offense maybe had two drives um, all the preseason and came out on fire to start the season. And, and so I think with the group we have, level of professionalism we have in that locker room, I feel really comp- confident in what they can do. It's Cliff Kingsbury, yesterday the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals uh, asked when the starters didn't play much, if at all, in the preseason. Uh, why does that not worry you? And that was his uh, reason why. Uh, here's more on that subject. Starters being ready for week one physically. Yeah, it's it's a combination of conditioning with our strength coaches and, and then the practice reps. And we have a great sports science department that measures all those things. And like I said last year, I thought we came in week one fresh and, and high energy. And we played outside in, in the heat and played at a really high level. So <clears throat> this year, inside 70 degrees, um, hopefully we're ready to roll. Look, I hope he's right for a couple of reasons. Yeah. I'd love to see the Cardinals get off to a fast start again this year like they did last year when they reeled off seven straight wins to begin the season after not playing a lot of their key contributors during the preseason. But I also hope he's right for another reason. This might be trend-setting stuff around the league. Where We sit here every August and we're like, oh, it's preseason football. It's kind of a necessary thing, and we'll trudge through it. But if Cliff Kingsbury can crack the code and set the blueprint on how you do this, in training camp and practice without having to play your key starters or key players, maybe others will follow suit, well, and that will endanger the future of preseason football. Or, or or maybe you want it just the opposite. Maybe you want it to be something that is unique to Arizona, which turns maybe. into a recruiting tool for them. Because if you're a football player, if you are a self-motivated football player, if you're like a Ron Wolfley, and nobody needs to motivate you to work hard or to practice hard or to hit and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, this is where you'd want to be. You'd want to be with a head coach who puts all of it in your lap and says, you decide. You're the professional. I am not going to scream at you and talk to you like you're a child. That to me would be just that would be nirvana for the for a certain type of football player. The question is, can you build a roster of 53 dudes who all feel that way? And, and if not, then does the then does the situation chip away? Because, again, this is this is one of the downfalls. Last year, uh, Buda Baker and others have said part of the issue with our collapse last year wasn't just injuries, wasn't the quarterback. It wasn't the it, it was we as a team kind of lost sight of the details. We kind of yeah. got out of our lane a little bit. And that's what happened happens when you get a, a, a head coach like Cliff Kingsbury, who leaves it all in the players' hands, because then it's all up to them, and then they might get soft, they might get lazy, they might think, we're here, we're good, and, and that's when you need that guy, that's when you need that structure and the discipline, because even self-starters need that at some point in time, and and so that, that's the balance to me, and that that's probably the final frontier for Cliff, is to be able to 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 kind of thread that needle to be as much of a player's coach to be the industry leader in in treating men like professionals because that will set him apart and if he can do everything else then then he's going to cross over this and be a really good NFL head coach yeah but but again that's that's that that I'm going to have to see that because I have seen way too many examples of football teams that when things when adversity strikes and if there's no real discipline and no foundation they don't know where to go and they don't recover and they don't get back up and and that's that to me I'm going to have to see with this group and this and this regime 
I think that's a fair point because we've seen it for two years. Yeah. The front end is great. Because I, I do think that that what Cliff is saying right now is is absolutely accurate for all the people who go, oh man, Camp Cliff, Camp Marshmallow, Camp Soft, Camp all the. They came out last year and blew the doors off a really good football team on the road. So the idea that this doesn't work, they've already proven that wrong. They need to prove that this program works at the end of a season, not at the beginning. It's like Jared said, at some point in time, throw in a training camp. In November, completely, completely turn the model on its ear. To me, that's what they should do during the bye week, since they never <laughs> seem to know right. how to, you know, what to do and how to play out of it. You're right, though, because like the okay, the players know how to get ready. They know how to get ready for the season. That's one thing. But when things start going downhill, you can't also have well, the, the players know how to get out of this. I've, they know what to yeah, do. I've covered baseball teams in the past that have had a very loose lax approach. Treat players like men. And then stuff chips away and the team breaks down and they're making all sorts of errors. Then the manager calls them in on an off day for fielding practice. And uh, the indignation of teams that have been treated like professionals, you prepare yourself. Now we're calling you in to take fielding practice, you can't reverse engineer this stuff. It's either there or it's not. And that's what I got to see from this program. That's what everybody has to. If they do that, they're going to cross a bridge, and Cliff is going to be a very good NFL head coach. I would love to see the reaction, too. That, that game, after the, uh, the Chargers game on the 27th, when everybody's getting ready for the bye week, Cliff says, you know what? No bye this week. We're doing two-a-days. <laughs> it's training camp. That's fabulous. <laughs> that's fabulous. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No, uh, no. Cliff Kingsbury did offer an uh, update on Antonio Hamilton, the cornerback who's been out, but nobody seems to know why. It's disappointing for him, just the journey that he's had and how he's worked and, and the level that he was playing at. You, you hate to see that. You hope he can uh, stay involved and, and come back and not miss a beat. But yeah, I think more than anything, it's disappointing for him just because he had earned a starting role at, at that position after uh, basically bouncing around a bunch of teams and so hopefully he's back sooner than later but we'll see. Yeah and we'll, uh, you know, once we hit game week and Cliff Kingsbury is required to give information that's when he'll give the information he's made that clear. That didn't sound like he'll be back for the start of the season though did sound it? like it. He is on the 53 could he be a short term IR possibility uh, right now because that maneuvering will happen but they keep Hamilton, Christian Matthew they trade for Trayvon Mullen, Byron Murphy Marco Wilson. That's your cornerback room right now. The addition of Mullen, how much better does that make you feel about things? Because there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of anxiety about that position, Vic. Of listen, there have been some established corners, veterans names that have been out there, and I'm sure there's like the Joe Haydens of the world. Mm-hmm. This kid, I think this is an interesting kid to take a flyer on. He was a second round draft pick. He's long. He was good in college. He, he's the kind of guy that I would. This is uh, this is a good risk. It does. It's not a guarantee. It's going to work. If all they needed was a third or fourth cornerback, I would feel better. Right. But they need a number two cornerback. Well, they do, and I, and that's where's that going to magically materialize from? I I don't know. I guess Mullen would be the best candidate for that right now, based on what we've seen. Yeah. If Marco Wilson really fell off that much, then yeah, I guess you're right. Well, people have not seen a lot of this kid recently because he's battled some injury concerns. So I'm I'm curious to see exactly what kind of football player he is. But when when the trade was announced, I'm like, I've heard of this kid. Then you go back and you do some research. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, this kid was once projected fairly high. and, And it hasn't worked for him. 
And so in terms of bringing in a guy to try, this is I'm I'm cool with this. I saw I hope it works. I saw a graphic yesterday. Uh, I think it was Kyle Odegaard put it out there that the Cardinals now have five of the top 40 picks from the 2019 draft on their team. <laughs> wow. After getting Cody Ford and, and Trayvon Mullen in trades. Wow. Uh, Alice and Chains and Breaking Benjamin heading to Auction Pavilion September and 10th. Bush. And Bush. I think Bush is on that, that, that bill to wouldn't, well... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I don't know. Like, I just know I'm, those two bands are going to be there. So That's much. something I would do. so awful. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? No. Sorry, uh, they are coming September 10th. Limited tickets are available, but you can win a pair now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, we know who the Cardinals' starting quarterback will be in Week 1. That's not the case for every NFL team. We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Bigly and Morata. Hash marks. You know, who's to say it's not settled? I'm just not making any announcements um, because it's fruitless for us. We just got work ahead of us, and and, and so that's not kind of on our agenda to make any announcements to, to feed the beast. We don't care about the beast. That's <laughs> Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Guess he doesn't have to announce anything, but he hasn't announced anything on who the starting quarterback for the Steelers will be in their week one game. Will it be Mitchell Trubisky? Will it be Kenny Pickett, who was one of the guys that really performed well in the preseason? Take it for what it's worth, but a guy playing his first professional football, he was nearly flawless in the time that he got for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. But what do you make of this stance by Mike Tomlin? I mean... They don't. Quarterbacks should not be a strength of Pittsburgh Steelers football this year, mm-hmm. unless Pickett really. We know what Mitchell Trubisky is about. Yeah. Um, unless Pickett really takes a step forward, but well, you're, you're gaining a week of advantage by not it. No. Uh, no, I know. And listen, I I think that traditionally coaches like this in in Mike Tomlin's situation, when you've got a rookie that is ascending, that is getting better with each practice and each preseason game, and you've got a guy that's been in the league a little while and has got the experience, generally you start the ladder, and when the ladder fails, you've got a card to play. Mm -hmm. You've got an energy, an infusion, a new guy that you think wants the job to begin with. It's, It's difficult to go the other way. To start the young kid and then three weeks into it go, you know what, he's he's a little too green. He's got to learn some stuff. Let's sit him down and bring in the other guy. So so to me, I, I that's what I think the decision is. I think Pickett is going to be the guy sooner rather than later. I do too. But I, I, it, I starting the season with him as the, the, the anointed quarterback, I'm not sure that's a smart play. Yeah, but you see coaches in college doing this now. Brian Kelly at LSU, he's not making the announcement on who his well. starting quarterback is. For week one, um, because he even termed it, oh, it's a tactical advantage for us. Well, here's this is what's fascinating to me, and this is a little left-hand turn in this conversation, but there's a lot of people who think that depth charts have become very dangerous in college football, and you're going to see smart coaches not even get near them going forward. Because the minute you release a depth chart, you're telling guys who are not first string, go look at the transfer portal. Yeah, but is it, that's true, and I know this because I did my Pac-12 fantasy draft last night. How'd that go for you, and it, by the I way? I was like, this is great. It's game week. We're two days away from the season. All these teams are going to have their depth charts readily available. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Lincoln Riley. Yeah. This is me flipping you Steve off. Steve Sarkeesian is not releasing one. It's, That's it, right. It's more, of, I, I, I get your point, but it's more of a, a tool for the media, really. I mean, ASU put out a depth chart, but the ink is it's more so of a tool for tools is what you're trying to say. <laughs> okay, but then they want to complain when the coverage isn't what they well, want. Of course. Okay. Well, of course. ASU put out a depth chart in their weekly notes, but I can't read it because the type is so light. <laughs> a little light on the ink there. I, thought, yeah, I, I uh, printed out their sheet and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going blind. That, Low on that Magenta press, 7. That press release from ASU is harder to read than an Eric Burkhardt statement. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Man, man, I am on fire today. Golly yeah, gee, I'm hot today. I was able to un, you know, unearth depth charts for, I think, 10 of the 12 teams in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. USC, nothing. And they got a bunch of new players. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Lincoln Riley. Is this, is this stuff actually, is it, the what, the purpose of it, it's for the media? Or is it for, like, gamblers? Like, what's the actual really unwritten rule of why this has it's to be done? It's for fantasy football players! <laughs> we need this information! 75% of the college football players in this country transferred. I don't know who's where. I need some help. It's been it, it's been a function. Uh, it's been, I think, traditionally a function to serve everybody on the periphery. The media, the fans, the alumni, to give structure to what the team is going to look like. Because I, I always wondered, like, in the NFL, the injury report, the depth chart, the starters, like for the the teams that are, that are playing, why would why would you give any advantage to the other team? What's the actual reason and you purpose still have they to have line to do up it? And play. It's not like they got superheroes that they're hiding. It's it, they're they're guys. Like I, I feel bad for the Rice play-by-play announcer. Rice is playing USC this week. Mm-hmm. He's doing his game prep right now with no clue on who any of the USC players are. Why is he doing game prep? His team is going to lose by fifty. <laughs> I feel bad for the Rice play-by-play announcer. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. Right. Okay. No, I'm, I'm joking. But you're right. If you are preparing to call the game, you need that. Yes. I don't you know if there's any you special You can't be cross-referencing made. numbers of guys come into the game yeah. without any idea of 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 who they are. In the, yeah, that Jim, would make Jim Mora Jr. used to pull that crap at UCLA too. How's that working out? I think he's at UConn now. He is at UConn. Yeah, I discovered that about two days ago. Yeah, I saw him running good for headlines. Yeah, yes, and they got they got wrecked, didn't they? UConn I honestly don't even know football because uh, I don't follow UConn football. Back to the NFL. Uh, Jerry Jones, owner, general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, with a little bit of an ultimatum for his team this year. I like that. Uh, continually reminding that uh, we need to not only get in the playoffs, but we need to get way deep into the playoffs so we got a chance. Uh, I think this team is reflecting that. I think it is a narrative of the team. I think it reflected in our decision making in the spring, who we kept, uh, who we let go, and who we brought off. So that is the narrative. Get in a better spot to stay longer in the playoffs. Need to make a deep run in the playoffs. Mm. Is that possible? I, you know, their, their roster is what it is. I think they've got talent on, the, on their roster, certainly. I think they play in a very uh, forgiving division in the NFC East, but is it possible with Mike McCarthy as your head coach? Jerry Jones said a couple weeks ago, "Hey, if there, if I felt there was anybody better than Mike McCarthy, he'd be here." Believe me, I've looked. <laughs> 
<laughs> Colin Coward has an interesting theory. He thinks that Jerry Jones is kind of drifting into Al Davis territory the way Al was later in life when Al kind of lost his fastball. Mm-hmm. And Al Davis used to be a titan of football, but he did uh, right around the Jamarcus Russell era where he could still talk a good game, but he was kind of lost a little bit. It, he, he's seeing some of the same things with Jerry Jones here. Uh, it, it's pretty. It's been pretty clear to me that Mike McCarthy is just a, a C minus head coach, and yet, and this is again, this is these are the common mistakes that Jerry Jones continues to make. He continues to hire less head coach than he can afford. He can easily afford. And how long did he stick with Jason Garrett? A long time. Barry Switzer, Jason Garrett. Hey, Shut Barry up, Switzer Garrett. won a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the difference is that Mike McCarthy is a C-minus head coach, whereas Al Davis was a C-monster. <gasps> oh, jeez. <laughs> He did kind of look that way uh, yeah, at the end. Near the end of his career. Davis. Have you seen this guy? Yeah, have you seen this guy, Jerry? Yeah. There was one time when I was just a pup in the business, and I remember there was it was an NFL owners meeting, and Al Davis was standing there, and he was talking to Peter King, the late Paul Zimmerman, and one other NFL guy, I forget. Oh, you know who it was? It might have been Sean McDonough from the Boston Globe, um, Ryan's father. And I walked into this thing, and I'm like, I was just in awe. And I'm like, I don't belong here. I really should kind of Mount Rushmore of sports. It was, and Al is, and Al was giving these guys all this great stuff, and I was just kind of like, wow. So there was a time when Al Davis was a superstar. Oh yeah, superstar. Oh, seventies and eighties, Al Davis, the leather jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and Jerry Jones is is really the modern day equivalent. Jerry Jones came in and he he broke rank with the NFL. He signed a deal with Nike when he went off the res, if you will, mm-hmm. and started and he made the league conform to him. And here he is, all these years later. I just listen. I, if if I were a Dallas Cowboys fan, that would be something that worries me because they've got all the assets. They've got the good. Uh, I mean, they're the Yankees of football. Yeah, that's the other comparison. Is he's like George Steinbrenner, Jerry Jones, yeah, over meddling. Powerful, likes to be the center of attention, spends a lot, but doesn't win as much as he should. George Steinbrenner employed a GM, though. You got to give him credit for that. Yeah. There used to be a day when owners would own and kind of back off the product. In the NFL, it doesn't happen anymore. It's just too much of a vanity rush for these guys. I, I get it. If I owned a football team, I'd be in there every damn day. <laughs> You'd be in every Did we get confirmation that Bush is with Alice in Chains and Breaking Benjamin? They are, according to the uh, website that you buy tickets on. All right. All right. And we got the confirmation. There we go. You were right, Bic. That's so a good lineup right there. You inter- lineup. At least you interrupted me with correct information. Oh, that's, that's, how you're different than, that's how you're different than me, yeah. <laughs> when are Vinny's live reads, Jared? Come I, on, Jared. I think he's looking at the wrong sheet. <laughs> <laughs> the one you gave me. Uh, wow. Coming up next, we hit the big stories of the day through the Rush Hour reboot with Sarah Cazell. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. 
It is a shenanigans Wednesday. It is a busy Wednesday here on Bickley Emirata Mornings. Lots of stuff to talk about during the Rush Hour Reboot, which we do every single day at 7.30. We take you through the top stories of the day every single day at this time. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Marotta. Welcome. Bienvenue. Welcome. <laughs> and Jarrett Carlin. I don't even know what a trumpet is. Okay. Let's wait. I don't even know what a trumpet is. How does he not know what a trumpet is? It's Luke Lipinski, not knowing what a trumpet is. Not a big music guy. I don't even know what a trumpet is. <laughs> All right, I was so, so what you're saying wow. is he doesn't know what a trumpet is. Trumpet. <laughs> what do you think of that guy, Luke is. Lipinski, Jarrett? <laughs> not much. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's get into the reboot on the shenanigans yeah, Wednesday, it. like we said. It. it was cut down day in the NFL yesterday, so the Cardinals got their roster down to 53, as every other team across the league did. Uh, we're now 11 days out from week one against Kansas City. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's the worst day, two days of the job. Um, there's no doubt. A lot of great men, a lot of great people um, that deserve it, but there's some deep rooms, and sometimes the numbers don't make sense, but it's, uh, it's never fun. That's the head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I can't imagine it's too good of a time telling people they are out of a job. Uh, what was most notable to you guys, Dan and Vince, from cut down day yesterday? Either players they kept or players they didn't keep. Yeah, the uh, the five running backs seems a little bit indulgent. The six inside linebackers, uh, of which do not include Jesse Laquetta, kind of really surprised me a little bit. So, uh, but but it, nothing terribly major because I think that the guys that we're talking about here, Aaron Brewer, Chandler Wooten. Woot woot. You know? The Bernhard Psychovitz. Oh, yeah. The psycho. Yeah, psycho. That's yeah. too bad. <laughs> um, yeah, all those guys, it, it, those are not, I don't think those are deal breakers or game changers. So, How about it, uh, the fact that there's only two guys listed as defensive tackles? Lucky Foto, Richard Lawrence. Those are the only two on the roster. Is that right? Yeah. Now, going back to I mean, the... J.J. Watt's basically a defensive tackle, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the way that they employ their, their linemen, certainly, but... Yeah. Uh, going back to the five-person running back room, you were talking about it earlier and what might be at play here. Vince, you had mentioned Jonathan Ward potentially going to injured reserve. Do you think that is the, the play, or could they potentially be holding on to one of these guys for a trade? I mean, I think everything's in play, but the fact that they waive their only long snapper kind of indicate, and it might come from a different position. I think somebody's going on short-term IR, and they'll be able to get Aaron Brewer back. Because if they can't, what have they done? Um, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. Outside of James Conner, maybe Daryl Williams might have some trade interest, but I I, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, the Cardinals also made a move for a cornerback. Hey, Trayvon Mill, uh, Mullen. Yes, yes, there we go. He was with the Raiders the past three seasons in 2019. He was taken in the second round. Uh, played college ball at Clemson with Isaiah Simmons. He was on two national championship teams and was the national championship game defensive MVP in 2019. Uh, in his three seasons in the NFL, he started 10 games as a rookie. Uh, played the full schedule in 2020 and then last year was only able to make five starts before injuries uh 
with toe and foot injuries took him out for the rest of the year. So right now, the cornerback room looks like this. Byron Murphy Jr., Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Trayvon Mullen, and Christian Matthew. On a scale of 1 to 10, guys, where was your confidence in the cornerback room before this trade? And now... Where is your confidence? I think I went from maybe a five and a half to a seven. I went from about a four to a five and a half. Okay, so still a lot of room for improvement, I'm hearing. Yes. From both of you, would you like to see them make another move, or do you think they're set with this current group? Yeah, I don't think they're set. Um, I think we need to find out what the deal is with Antonio Hamilton and and how long this this injury is and what this injury is. It it seems to be a little bit of cloaked in a mystery that's a little bit suspicious that tells you this is not your general twisted ankle, your sore knee, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I do think that I would like to see some more established depth there. All right. You want to hear the update from Cliff Kingsbury yesterday on Antonio Hamilton? Here it is. It's disappointing for him, just the journey that he's had and how he's worked and and the level that he was playing at. You you hate to see that. You hope he can uh, stay involved and and come back and not miss a beat. But, yeah, I think more than anything, it's disappointing for him just because he had earned a starting role at at that position after uh, basically bouncing around a bunch of teams. And so hopefully he's back sooner than later, but we'll see. So we still don't know what it is. Yeah. But that's how Cliff Kingsbury feels about it. Whatever it is, I hope it uh, is uh, you know, alleviated quickly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's finally uh, go to baseball. Tori Lovello is going to be back with the Diamondbacks last season. That was a question brought up by Bob Nightingale of USA Today Sports. We talked about it a week or two ago here on the show, how he wasn't sure if he would be picked up for the final year on his deal. But they did exercise the club option yesterday, so Lovello will be back for his seventh season at the helm. Yesterday, D-backs GM Mike Hazen spoke to reporters and he was asked, why not a longer extension for Lavello? This is a situation where we need to continue to show progress. This isn't, there's, there's no, there's the backsliding, we're, we're looking to move forward and push it forward and that's just, that's just where we're at right now. I mean, we've been here for a while. We, we started off in, for the first few years in, in the right direction and things went south for us and now we feel like we're turning back around in the other direction but they need to continue to turn back in the right direction. Do you guys think that Tori Lovello has fully demonstrated he should be here beyond next year or do you still need to see more? I'm kind of in the same boat as Mike Hazen. You're looking for for future improvement. So this situation mm-hmm. seems to be working out. We heard from Derek Hall last week. Hey, Tori hasn't mentioned it. I don't know if you read Zach Buchanan's uh, story uh, today on The Athletic, but Josh Rojas was thumbing through his phone and got the notification that he had, uh, that Tori's option had been picked up, and he's like, wow, I didn't even know that was a thing. So it apparently wasn't that big of an issue. Mm-hmm. If yeah. it works year right. to year, I'm fine with it. Well, and again, I think this, yes, I, I think that the more I think about this particular issue, the more it feels kind of appropriate, even though it's like, come on, now you yeah, you think you know what you got in Tori Lavello by now. Yeah. yeah right? So, <laughs> Six uh, seasons? Yeah, yeah. Come on, a prove it year seems kind of ridiculous. You, you've got enough body of evidence of who the man is and, and what kind of decisions he makes and all that, all that stuff. 
But I think the the fact that this team has just changed overnight from being a uh, the core of this team has changed overnight. The yeah. core was once friendly veterans uh, who might be overachieving, and now it's really this full on youth movement. And I I, I think you want to see how this continues to grow. So uh, even though I, I think it's kind of laughable, I also think that that if you've got a team option, it's not a bad play. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, We're all rebooted. Rush Hour reboot every morning at seven thirty. Coming up next, we'll talk some NFL. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk joins us straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Yeah, we continue to talk football on this Wednesday. Always a pleasure when we're joined by our next guest from Pro Football Talk. Mike Florio checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Doing great, guys. How are you? Doing well, thanks. Uh, one of the big stories this week, obviously, was the uh, about face, I guess you could call it, the San Francisco 49ers restructure the contract of Jimmy Garoppolo. So he'll be the backup behind Trey Lance. And I know Kyle Shanahan came out yesterday and said it was shocking. He called it a win-win. But is it really a win for the 49ers if they are true believers in Trey Lance, in your mind, Mike? Well, it's a win if we consider the possibility slash reality that they're not sure what they have in Trey Lance. So they protect themselves both against injury because Trey Lance has not been durable. It Mm -hmm. seems like every time he played last year, he emerged with some sort of an injury finger in the preseason knee against the Cardinals when he played in the regular season and then he got banged up. I think it was a hand injury against the Texans. So he's the one who could get hurt. That was to me, the big irony of waiting around for a starting quarterback to get injured elsewhere there's a chance the starting quarterback who eventually gets injured will be their own starting quarterback. So that part of it, I think, is real. And then the possibility that he just isn't the answer, that he's not the guy. We'll find that out when he plays. And that's true of everybody. It was true for Kyler Murray. It's true for every quarterback who's drafted. And we know that the the failure rate is fairly high. Just because some great quarterbacks have been found in round one, hell, you know what happened with Josh Rosen. Mm -hmm. You can have a failure. So they're now protected against that. And the challenge is for Kyle Shanahan to make sure that Trey Lance isn't further discombobulated by Jimmy Garoppolo's presence. But I look at it in a very simple way. If Trey Lance can't step up in a situation like this, how do you expect him to ever make a big throw in a big game in a big spot if you're trying to get to a Super Bowl or win it? So, great litmus test. This is an accelerator for Trey Lance's career. He's either going to shrug at this and become a great quarterback, or he's going to crumble. At least you know now. That's a great point. That is really, yeah, that's, that's a good way to bottom line this. All right, let's switch to Tampa. What do your instincts tell you uh, that is going on with Tom Brady? Anything? Well, well, there's my instincts, and then there's the stuff I've heard that I'm not comfortable reporting that informs my current instincts. But I'll say this. He's back. I think he's staying put. And I know that doesn't sound like anything all that earth-shattering, but when you consider a guy disappeared for 11 days during training camp, you have to at least say, well, anything could potentially happen here. We don't know. What's going on with Tom Brady? He told us himself. He's 45. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Now, look, we all have a lot of stuff going on. I think that that was kind of a clumsy way for him to blow past what was an unprecedented departure from training camp. But I think he's back. I think he's locked in. I think he'll be as good as ever. But I also think that barring some dramatic developments in his personal life, 
this is his last year, and next year we'll see him and hear him on the top game every week on Fox. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, our guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. Bruce Arians, who's still in the uh, front office in an invented role with uh, Tampa Bay, went out yesterday and said, hey, since I've been here, this is the best roster the Buccaneers have had. Are, are you buying that, and are, are you buying them as, as legit Super Bowl threats this year, Mike? Oh, they definitely have a very good roster, and you could argue it's as good, if not better, than it was when they won the Super Bowl two years ago. Here's the reality, though. And I think it's easy to lose sight of this when you're heading into the season and you're trying to figure out who's going to be good, who's not going to be good. At the end of the day, you get to the playoffs, and every game, it seems like, is a meat grinder. Mm -hmm. Every game is closely contested. Every game could go either way. You've got to find a way to pull that inside straight, like the Buccaneers did in 2020, get to the Super Bowl, and win it. So many things have to line up in your favor to make that happen. And injuries are a big factor in all of this. They're the one thing that we know are going to happen. We just don't know when and to whom and how long the player is going to be out. But that will be a big factor. But I think right now the talent among the best teams in the NFL is so closely compressed that it comes down to injuries. It comes down to a bounce of the ball. It comes down to weather. It comes down to a bad call, which always includes a good call for someone else. They get away with something, and they get a little boost, and that makes the difference in a win here, a win there, a playoff seating, a win in the postseason, and ultimately a Super Bowl. But I think they're good enough to be in the conversation, just like they were in the conversation last year and almost beat the Rams. I think locally the Cardinals might have set an NFL record for least reps preseason in preseason games among projected starters and, and all that. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on this because Cliff Kingsbury might be an industry leader in treating men like professionals, and that might be the wave of the future, but this is also a program that when they find adversity late in seasons, there's not that foundation of structure and discipline to kind of rally around and pull a team back up. Is is it important to get some reps? What are your thoughts on where this is all going with NFL teams in the preseason? Well, every team is different, and every coach has to have a plan, and every coach has to hope that the plan is successful from week one through week 18. But you could make the argument that the early part of the season isn't a problem for the Cardinals. The focus needs to be how the Cardinals adjust and adapt to the teams that they're facing, the teams that they will be seeing later in the year from the standpoint of coaches studying film and making tweaks to the playbook to get more out of the offense against a given defense, to get more out of the defense against a given offense. And how locked in will Kyler Murray be as the season goes along? Will this whole homework clause thing give him more of a kick or will it be more of a problem? And I've heard some speculation. I don't think anyone has reported this and I don't know that it's factual, but the idea that they're going to have the hard knocks cameras and microphones mid-season, that's a way to make sure everybody's on their P's and Q's. And I'm not saying people aren't working hard enough. There's a difference between working hard and working smart. And we have a graphic that we use on our morning show, PFT Live, of Cliff Kingsbury's starts and finishes for nine years back to Texas Tech in 2013. And every year, good to great start and bad to horrible finish. So this is the year to break that trend. This is the year that he proves that that those other nine those other nine years were the, the exception and there's a new rule that's gonna come into being. But that that's the key look look, every team in the NFL either gets better or worse 
from week one to week 18. You have to be one of those teams that gets better or you've got no chance. Yep. Uh, Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, our, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Before we let you go, uh, John Gruden surfaced yesterday in Little Rock, Arkansas, talking to the Touchdown Club there. Talked about you know how he was ashamed of what he did, but uh, is hoping for another chance. We were discussing this earlier. Do you think John Gruden gets another chance in today's climate, Mike? And if so, is that as a coach or as a broadcaster? I think he gets another chance at a college if he wants one. It won't be a huge college. It's not going to be an SEC or a Big Ten college. There are so many programs out there, though, in localities that would find a way to look the other way and also embrace the potential for winning with a John Gruden. Now, I don't know that he's got the patience to coach 18, 19, and 20-year-olds, but that's going to be for him to decide. NFL, I don't see him ever getting in for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the emails. Now, look, everybody makes mistakes. You have a shot at redemption. I really didn't like the stuff he said yesterday. I'm a good person. I go to church. I've been married 31 years. You know, if going to church and being married 30-plus years is a ticket to heaven, it's going to be a lot more crowded if I manage to get there than I expected it to be. But I, I also think that in his time back with the Raiders, the game had passed him by. And look mm-hmm. at the, the slew of horrible draft picks that he made. Mike Mayock was just riding shotgun. John Gruden was calling the shots there. Horrible draft picks culminating in the 17th overall selection last year. Alex Leatherwood being cut. Untradeable. $5.9 million in guaranteed money he's going to make over the next three years. One year and done as the 17th overall pick in the draft. And that has Gruden's fingerprints all over it. And he sued the NFL. Look, <laughs> I think it's wrong for any organization to retaliate against someone who advances legal rights against it. But we know in a fairly closed shop like the NFL, if you dare to stick your finger in the eye of the league and also the commissioner who's a part of that lawsuit, you are done. And it's very easy for these teams to find other coaches who can get the job done. you got Gruden with all these issues. Andy sued the NFL. He ain't getting back in the NFL as a head coach. Mike, great stuff great as stuff. always. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, bro. Mike uh, Florio, Pro Football Talk, joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next... The 8 o'clock hour kicks off in style with the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.